In the world of inspections, we say forewarned is forearmed. But how can you arm yourself when there's a dizzying array of trial master file checks and oversight activities to navigate? Today on the State of TMF, we're going to take you on a deep dive into leveraging TMF health checks and oversight. We'll shed light on how to transform these daunting tasks into powerful tools for achieving inspection success. Your path to inspection readiness begins right here, right now. The State of TMF is officially in session. Let's get into it. We have some uh, really great content prepared for today. Uh, we also have a new guest uh, who's gonna be joining us uh, today. As a reminder, uh, my name is Oliver Pierce. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Montreal. I'm also joined by my longtime co-host, Donatella Ballerini, who is the head of uh, ETMF services here at Montreal. And today we're also joined by Christina Mancioros. So Christina, maybe just give us a bit of a, uh, an introduction into yourself, just so that for those that maybe are less aware of who you are, they know a little bit more about you. Sure, thanks, Oliver. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Christina Manziro. I'm currently the head of the clinical solution strategy at Montreal. Um, prior to joining Montreal, I worked for a few years in both the academic and private CROs as a clinical project manager, uh, working on various clinical trials, mainly in uh, therapeutic areas such as uh, cardiology and dermatology. Um, when I joined Montreal, I was looking to sort of couple my passion for technology and the life sciences industry, and then uh, the rest is uh, is history. So. Uh, really excited to join today. Awesome. We're excited to have you here and and get some of that experience into a subject today that I think is near and dear to all of our hearts and something that, of course, is always talked about, uh, which is inspection readiness. And so we're going to focus today on some of the tools that you can use to be able to help improve inspection preparation, but also overall inspection readiness. Um, just as a reminder, of course, we'll, we are recording today's session, so you will be able to listen back to it in video form on our YouTube channel, as well as in audio form on wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, also, the chat is open, so if you guys have questions, please ask them throughout. We will try and answer those questions as we go through. I, myself, will be monitoring the chat, so if you do have questions for any of us about some of the subject matter that we're discussing, you can throw it into the chat and ask those questions. Okay, so let's jump into the topic today. So uh, this is the, the 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 next episode. We're focusing on set yourself up for inspection success, leveraging TMF health checks and oversight, which are two tools that we talk a lot about here at Montreal as tools for improving inspection readiness. So we'll talk a little bit about how these tools could fit into your TMF process moving forward, or how maybe you can adjust some of your existing tools um, with some of the recommendations that we're going to make today. So. But if we kick things off, I think it's a good where, where a good place to start would really be to sort of understand what might be wrong with inspection readiness today. Everybody talks about inspection readiness, um, but there, there, there might be some things that uh, the folks that are listening might not be doing as we recommend. So Donatella, in your opinion, what, what's wrong with inspection readiness today? What are some of the things that contribute to poor inspection readiness? Oh, you're on mute, Donatella. Thank you so much, Oliver, for this question, because I think that this is really the starting point uh, to think about when we want to talk about special readiness. So first of all, uh, I strongly believe that uh, uh, very often a robust process uh, is something that is missing in TMF management. Uh, 
uh, because uh, if you're working in the life science industry, you know that your SOP, your process is the basis of an inspection because the inspector will come and what they're going to check is not, you know, uh, the data of your protocol or if your protocol is in compliance. They're going to check if your process is in compliance with the protocol. If you have been in compliance with the standard of quality of ICHCP, if you are in compliance with the regulatory requirement, if you are in compliance with any study plan that you develop during your trial. So you check, they check your adherence to your uh, process and to your standard. And this is why to have a robust process in place also for TMF is really, really critical. And this is why also the old consideration of the TMF as an archive is another failing point in my experience, because we need to stop to think about the TMF as just an archive, as a repository. It's an active tool of your clinical trial management. And that is why you need to have a robust process in place, because it's part of your clinical trial process. It's a really crucial part, because it's the end, it's the deliverable that you have of your clinical trial result. So absolutely, stop considering it as an archive, but more as an active tool. And this is really a failure in your TMF process whenever you consider uh, your TMF as an archive. And last but not least, I think that um, the three main pillars of the inspection readiness of the TMF, so timeliness, completeness, and quality, are some great area of risk when it comes to an inspection, because uh, if you consider your TMF as an archive, you don't consider these metrics in your TMF process. So you will lose uh, the, this, let's say, relationship with the data inside your TMF to understand if it is complete, if everything was fine in a timely manner. And so the story has been told in a, in a timely manner and if the quality of each document is good enough to tell the good story. So this is another, let's say, very important aspect, uh, I think, when it comes to inspection readiness. Because if you think your TMF as a source you know, of data, you have to measure it and consider these three main metrics. I think that's super interesting because I think we often, all of us, as we're speaking with different customers, people that are going through some of these inspection readiness uh, challenges, there's often a big focus on how great the clinical trial data is. And while that is important, um, as you start to try and commercialize that therapy, I think what one of the things that's often missed is that well, our process of managing the clinical trial, what, what oversight we had, um, what are the specific processes that are in place to improve or, or maintain timeliness, completeness, and quality. This is the area of focus that an inspector is going to look at. Christina, anything to add on, on your end here in terms of the way people should be thinking about inspection readiness? It's not just about making sure that you have all the documents, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think like one of the, if you can think of all the things that Donatella mentioned, I guess the crux of the issue or the root cause to me is really the mindset around TMF in your organization. Um, you know, my experience now dates back um, a couple of years, and I, I hope that it's uh, certainly evolving since then. But, uh, you know, the TMF, in my experience, was not something that was given the time and the importance that it, it certainly deserves because of you know, it's such an important part of uh, of the clinical trial. So, you know, I do think a lot of that burden is on the organizations to change that, you know, whether it be through awareness and education or designating like TMF champion to sort of bring that change in mindset. 
I, I guess some of the, some of the things that we've seen also is, you know, obviously there's a, there's a huge amount of outsourcing that happens uh, where we're kind of delegating that responsibility to to CROs and other partners, which sometimes creates that kind of handoff mentality, right? Which is just like, well, that's not my problem; it's not somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I think there's the challenge in that kind of archivist mindset. A lot of people are thinking, well, this is a regulatory requirement. I've got to do it. Not that this is something that will actually benefit me, you know, and thinking about it as an archive ultimately will always hold us back. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I think that we really need to leverage the, you know, the tool that is the, the TMF and, and not so much just think of it as that repository, like Donatello was saying. And part of the issue in, in outsourcing is exactly that it's not especially if we haven't like made it clear from the beginning who the responsibility you know lies with and who plays the the roles of contributing to the TMF and, and maintaining it um yeah that definitely uh just piles into the problems that we see with TMF today all right so let's let's talk about what that manifests into right if we're not setting ourselves up for inspection success it means that we're probably more likely to get um potential findings now Luckily, all of the major regulatory agencies provide uh, a flavor of their GCP inspections reports. They talk about some of the, the general findings or the common findings that they're providing to sponsors when they're performing those inspections. Christina, what are some of the common inspection findings that you've seen in these different inspection reports? And maybe you could give us a couple of different examples. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, um, the MHRA is is actually really great at summarizing some of the findings that they see uh, most often, and they actually release a yearly GCP inspections report. Um, and in particular, one of the more recent uh, GCP inspection report had a couple of interesting findings. So, um, of them, I think there's five that we can sort of uh, highlight for for our discussion. Um, so one of the first ones, which I think is uh, might not be so surprising to our listeners, is uh, that the TMFs presented to inspectors were incomplete or inaccurate, uh, which resulted in the inability to reconstruct the trial or procedural conduct to enable the verification of GCP compliance. So really around the, the problematic of being unable to reconstruct the trial or tell the story of the trial. Um, another finding is about poorly documented TMF processes. So the finding here was that there was a failure to define the TMF within the quality system and that there were several issues associated with the procedures covering the TMF that resulted in the TMFs provided to inspectors being incomplete. So here we're really look, talking about the lack of uh, planning and procedural controls. Um, a third finding that I'd like to highlight is what we've already discussed a little bit is using the TMF as an archive. And so their finding from the inspectors was that the TMF was used as a dark document archive rather than a working TMF. So this must, must have been quite obvious to the inspector, right, that the TMF was not being used to its full potential as a, as a working active tool uh, throughout the course of the study. Um, one that's sort of linked to that is only thinking about filing before an inspection. Uh, so there were several examples of documents and data not being uploaded in a timely manner alongside evidence of the ETMF having been updated substantially just prior to the inspection. <laughs> um, so the funny thing about an electronic TMF, right, is that it can it can capture a lot more data, right, which is something that's great and really useful. 
Um, but it can also show this type of evidence, right? So there, there's a peak in document upload right prior to an inspection. It's not exactly the same as uh, slipping a piece of paper in a file folder, right? Um, so definitely all the more reason to keep up with uh, filing documents in a timely manner. And uh, finally, the last one I wanted to highlight is again around the procedures not defining uh, TMF management. So the SOPs, the standard operating procedures that we're supposed to detail uh, the ETMF best practices for quality management did not define the TMF and how it should contain all the trial essential documents. It also didn't define the, the different systems that make up um, the, the TMF. So this finding touches not only on the importance to proceduralize your ETMF management, but also to define you know, where does TMF content live and where can it be generated? All right, perfect. Um... There's a question here from the, from the attendees uh, asking, why do you think there's such a disconnect in how the TMF is perceived? I'm assuming perceived internally by sponsors versus maybe how inspectors are viewing that. Who, who wants to take a stab at that question? Yeah, I mean, Oliver, I can give, let's say, uh, my experience. And uh, because I, it's really, let's say, a, a recent experience. And first of all, I think it's... Uh, a very big lack of knowledge and culture of inspection because, uh, you know, I, I really see the difference between the people that uh, are used to manage inspection, are used to tackle inspection, uh, even just once a year or maybe sometimes uh, more often, and people that have never faced an inspection, but they, they know that potentially in the future there will be inspection. Uh, the approach that they have is completely different. Uh, and this is really because uh, if you have the experience of inspection, for example, first of all, you know that the trimester file will be crucial for your inspection section because uh, the inspector will come and they will ask, uh, you know, documents inside your TMF. They will ask the process for your TMF. So it's crucial to have uh, everything in place, everything compliance. If you're never managing inspection, you can even be the most good, the good uh, CPM or uh, head of clinical operation in the world. But, you know, maybe probably, as you said at the beginning, Oliver, you will be focused on the data of your clinical trial, which can be great. I mean, they can be, you know, uh, the best drug in the world to, to for, uh, I don't know, something very incredible. But if the data are false, are not credible, are not reliable because of the process, because of how you got the data, and that is basically the story of a TMF, uh, those data doesn't worth anything. So it's really important to focus on uh, what is the object of an inspection, uh, what is uh, the purpose of an inspection, and the inspector will come and check how you have conducted the trial. Not if your data are the best in the world, but how you have conducted the trial. Did you get you know, the result and the patient-informed consent form in the proper way, according to regulation, the data are reliable, are credible, or they are false, you know, they come and check these kind of things, not, uh, you know, the scientific, uh, let's say, aspect of your uh, clinical trial. And so I think that if you don't have the experience, uh, lots of people uh, are not prepared. And this is another aspect. I think that uh, the people engagement, the people culture and knowledge uh, need to be prepared and increase uh, to be special ready. Right. I, it, it reminds me of, you know, all those many years ago when we were all uh, back in school doing uh, assignments or tests where we would be, you know, have to work out a math problem and we'd get a certain amount of points for working out the math problem, but then we would also have to show how we got there. 
And the TMF is a little bit like that, right? You can have, like you said, the best yeah. clinical trial data ever seen in a specific area. But if you can't show how you got there and you did so with integrity, then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna run into issues, right? Exactly, exactly. That is the point. I think that lots of people just focus on the data and the result, which obviously <laughs> I'm very happy for you if you've got lots of good data and results. But how did you get there? Because we know that unfortunately uh, bad things can happen and uh, not everything is so transparent and clear. So this is the, the, the value of an inspection. They come and they check that everything was done in compliance, that the patient's right. safety, well-being and rights were ensured. That is the most important thing, I think, in a clinical trial because behind all the data, there are patients. So we right. need to take care about them, about the rights, and there will be them being, and the inspector is doing something like that. So, Christina, one last thing before we move on here from inspection findings. A lot of people, I think, might, might be thinking, especially some of our U.S. or Canadian colleagues, thinking, well, these are findings from the MHRA, which is a U.K. agency, and maybe this isn't relevant to me. What would you say to that? Why is this something that everybody should be thinking about and looking at? I mean, I think that it's important to note that these... Uh, regulatory bodies are not uh, siloed, right? I think that they're they're consulting each other and they're continuously updating and evolving their regulation based on their consultations with each other. And so I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, just because that this is something that the MHRA is bringing up, it doesn't mean that it's not applicable to you. And of course, when you're uh, a, a large organization conducting clinical trials in different regions, you, you want to keep in mind the um, the regulations of the region that your trials are being conducted in, right? So I think it's, uh, it's, it's something that needs to be kept in mind uh, as, uh, as definitely advice and guideline that's coming from uh, all the different uh, regulatory uh, authorities. All right, totally. All right, so let's move on. So... What I want to talk about next is what is the scope of inspection readiness? Because I think there are so many varying definitions. Some will think it's just making sure you have all the documents. Some will think it's making sure that you've been able to document your QC process. Donatella, when you think about what goes into inspection readiness, what do you consider? What is the scope that you're thinking about and considering? Yeah, thank you so much, Oliver, for this question, because uh, first of all, I really love these slides because uh, it's just uh, a very first input just to make you understand uh, that TMF inspection readiness uh, is more than just uh, having your TMF in place. Uh, it means uh, we see here auditory review, completeness, quality checks, data naming convention, TMF plan, email management, TMF oversight, and lots of other stuff. And the list, uh, believe me, can be longer. These are just... Uh, some example, but I think that uh, uh, what really makes sense here is to make people understand that when it comes to TMF process, uh, this process is composed by different steps, by different aspects to be managed during the entire life cycle of your clinical trial and so your trial master file. And so you have to uh, have very clear and define uh, what is the process around all these aspects. So how are you going to manage uh, the relevant correspondence, so the emails in your clinical trial. How are you going to ensure the audit trial review of your TMF? Because we know that now uh, with ETMF, it's becoming a more uh, required requirement from a regulatory perspective. And how are you going to manage 
the data in the main convention uh, in the you know collection and upload all the documentation. Uh, what's your TMF plan? Do you have a template? Uh, what's uh, in, uh, in the content of it? Uh, what is uh, what are the, your SOP? Do you have a master TMF SOP plus some work instruction to better detail some activities? So there are really lots of aspects. And last but not least, the long-term storage. We know that now with the European Clinical Trial Regulation, the expectation is of 25 years of inspection readiness. Honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. 25 years of inspection readiness are quite, you know, makes me quite afraid because uh, it's really uh, a big thing to ask to, to company if we think that now technology change every day and uh, really we don't know what we will have in 25 years. So, but you have to be ready. You have to define your process, always, you know, monitor it and try to improve it because uh, the inspection, TMF inspection readiness means really a lot of stuff, not just to have a TMF in place. And Christina, when you think about what's, what's sort of included or what should be considered as part of inspection readiness scope, Obviously, we've listed for those that are viewing the session or seeing the video, um, we've we've listed a whole bunch of different things that we would say are part of the inspection readiness scope. Are there a couple here that you would say maybe are the most forgotten or least considered when it comes to inspection readiness? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think there's a lot that are in competition for that. I think, but uh, I think one of the items that is more of an afterthought than others. Uh, just because of the timeline of events is probably that of long-term storage um, that ties into SOPs and planning too, which I think are some some items that are also afterthoughts. But um, when it comes to long-term storage, you know, it's something that's like really, you, you think about starting up your clinical trial and you have so many like critical processes going at once, right? You have your you have your submissions, ethics, regulatory, your your protocol being approved. Uh, you're, you're selecting sites, you might even be starting patient recruitment, and you think, like, I'll just wait a little while before thinking about what to do with my TMF long-term. It can wait, right? Like, I have time. Um, and then that little while turns into a little bit, uh, a, a little bit turns into a little while, and, you know, you're doing your database lock and wrapping up your trial, and now it's time to think about what to do with it. Um, so I think it's it's really an important aspect to uh, consider, especially, you know, what Don and Tella mentioned about the EU just recently updating their legislation uh, to require the data to be retained for 25 years. Uh, definitely something you want to plan and ties in very tightly, like I said, with uh, your TMF plan and SOPs. And it's it's important to have at an organizational level how you'll manage your SOPs, you know, throughout your studies. And then each, each clinical trial should have its dedicated TMF plan because everything will be, you know, uh, custom and it should be custom and specific to that. Yeah, I love that. I think that the, the kind of concept of, like don't wait too long to figure out long-term storage because before you know it, you'll be there. Um, and, and you know, maybe you'll just at some point receive a thumb drive with a TMF in the mail from your CRO and now you've got to figure out what to do with it, right? Yeah, exactly. And and for any CROs online, stop sending thumb drives with TMFs, thanks. <laughs> um, cool, so let's move on. Um, let's take one step back for a second. Donatella, why would we want to take one step back? So I personally, I, I love this slide because uh, it really, let's say, sends the right meaning on inspection readiness to me. Uh, because, you know, we talk a lot about uh, TMF inspection ready, we need to be special ready at any time, special readiness uh, and all the stuff. But uh, 
I think that people miss uh, a very important step before special readiness because uh, I think that uh, special readiness is a, a state of mind. I mean, you have to be every day, every second, every minute special ready because if an inspector come, uh, you know, maybe just with two weeks of notice, you can say, oh, no, please come back later in maybe two weeks or uh, three months because I will be more special ready. So you need to be special ready anytime. And to be special ready anytime, you need also to prepare for the inspection, which is, let's say, uh, a previous step that, that can be, let's say, planned and organized. Uh, and even with a specific time frame for inspection, because, you know, uh, if I receive the notification of an inspection, uh, maybe in six months, uh, starting from today, I will start my inspection preparation plan. So I will start to plan for my preparation to be more inspection ready. Uh, which is, you know, I will write my SOP, I will uh, do the training, I will do all the stuff that is necessary to be more inspection ready. So there will be this period of inspection preparation, which is crucial. And just to give you, let's say, a better um, understanding of what I mean, uh, because we do that in everyday life, I think. Um, my daughter is going to have a, a, a dance exhibition tomorrow. The very she is just four years old, but she's going to have the first exhibition of her life in a theater for dance. She she was used to have a, a one hour dance lesson every week, but now that the exhibition is coming, you know, very close. It's tomorrow. She's going to do the dancing lesson every day because she's preparing. I mean, for that event, you are going to prepare. So probably. If you are performing a regular QC, you will increase, you know, the frequencies of that QC. Uh, if you are doing training, maybe you will do some additional training or some refresh training to be more ready. So there is really this uh, important, in my opinion, uh, moment of inspection preparation that comes before the inspection readiness. But that means that inspection readiness is in your mind uh, every time, every day. All right. Uh, I love that little analogy there, and good luck to your daughter on her dance Thank exhibition. <laughs> um, all right, perfect. So let's move on. Now that we've level set inspection readiness, it's a state of being, it's a mindset. It's nice to say that, but how do you actually achieve it, right? Some people might be thinking, oh, it's, well, it's great for you to say that it's a state of being, but I can't figure out how to get there. So let's jump into that for a second. Before we jump into some of the tools that we we recommend and we use to help customers, I wanted to talk a little bit about the what we define as the three levels of inspection readiness or that how you can work through these three different levels. So, Christina, if I if I think about the first level of quality assurance, what are some of the things you you already want to be thinking about when it comes to these levels of inspection readiness? Mm -hmm. So, uh, at quality assurance and we're looking at our quality system right so you you're you want to be sure that you're reviewing your uh, standard operating procedures so your sops your work instructions uh to ensure that these are always up to date uh with what's actually going on in your day-to-day -day, right that's that's the key is to make sure that your day-to-day -day reflects what uh, you've put into your processes um and that's also um helped by doing internal periodic internal audits right so you you have you can have your QA department who's sort of just checking in to see how the processes are being followed. Um, we also want to align with the uh, the ever changing uh, regulations, right, and the guidelines that are uh, evolving. So you want to make sure that your processes are aligned with that. Um, and finally, 
uh, mock inspections. So mock inspe- inspections for those uh, listeners on on the call who are not uh, familiar with them is essentially either doing that internally or maybe getting a vendor coming in to sort of uh, do a pretend inspection. So they do exactly what uh, to simulate what a, a real inspection would look like. And so you get this, you know, you, you become even more prepared to uh, to go through a real inspection should the, the time come. And um, actually, on that note, you know, all of our, Oliver and I will host a session next month all about mock inspections. So if you want to uh, listen to that in a little more detail, uh, be sure to to keep up with uh, the, the podcast schedule. Yeah, a little plug there for uh, a mock inspection uh, live event and podcast that we're going to be doing, I think, on July 12th. Um, so definitely tune in for that. We've got some loyal state of TMFers here, so I'm sure that they will have a whole bunch still join. Um, perfect. So let's jump on to TMF quality control. So this is kind of the meat of what we're going to talk about today in today's session. Donatella, walk us through both TMF quality control and then the final level of document quality check and some of the differences between the two. Yeah, so, so as you said, Oliver and Christina, these are very great and helpful tools that we have to ensure a more inspection readiness status of our trial master file, but they are, let's say, complementary. Uh, they are really necessary, both of them. Uh, to make you understand better, I will start from the document quality check because that is, let's say, the very first step in a, in a quality strategy for your trial master file because we know that the trimaster file is a collection of documents, it's a collection of records. If we have a look to the new version, uh, drafted version of the ICGCP, now we, we talk about a collection of records. Uh, and it's very important to ensure the quality of each single record. So first of all, uh, absolutely, whenever you upload a field, a document inside a TMF, this document must be a good document to tell the right story. And to do that, uh, we have some very well-known and global standard. The COPLAS, the Rutlab principle developed by the TMF reference model group, the good documentation practice that even if they are coming from the GMP environment, they are applicable to GCP as well. So we have some standard, quality standard that we can apply to our single document QC, which is, I would say, mandatory. I mean, you can't upload a document without even checking it in the TMF. It's part of your uh, quality requirement for the TMF. But then we know that uh, the documentation inside the TMF uh, tells a story. And so the documentation, uh, uh, some documents uh, are linked to each other because they are, you know, a sequence uh, of a story inside the TMF. Let's think, for example, uh, to a monitoring visit. We know that a monitoring visit report is, uh, you know, the outcome of a, of a monitoring activity which is defined in a monitoring plan. And the majority of the time we have a confirmation letter plus a follow-up letter to this monitoring report. So three, four different documents related to, let's say, a process inside your TMS. So you need to cross-check those documents to ensure the completeness, the timeliness, and the quality of that particular story, piece of the story of your trial. So this is why when it comes to theory health checks, matrix oversight, and matrix uh, assessment. It means that uh, you have to check your TMF uh, also from uh, a more holistic perspective uh, and not just you know, as a single document, but uh, you have to check these cross-references. You have to verify if uh, the metrics that we can find in the TMF uh, are good and they, the, the, status, the status that they 
they show is good enough to be special ready, or maybe they, they highlight any high risk zone in your TMF. And so you need to focus more, for example, uh, on the quality task, on the quality issue, or maybe on the completeness, because some core documents are not there to tell the story. This is why oversight and health check uh, that we're going to see later today, in my opinion, are very important tool uh, to better understand these links between the documentation and to have a more general oversight uh, of your TMF and not just uh, uh, the single document quality check. So let's say document quality check comes first and then there is a second step, uh, more holistic, uh, when it comes to TMF quality control. So let's jump into that because I think this is, I guess, the what I would say the meat and the potatoes of, of today's session where we talk about these two different uh, tools that we're going to use as part of these three levels of inspection readiness. So. The first one is what we call TMF oversight. So when we think about TMF oversight, Christina, when we look at this kind of first exercise that we recommend to clients who are looking to improve inspection readiness, what does TMF oversight look like? What would a project look like from uh, from our customer's perspective? I think the important thing when thinking of TMF oversight is to think, remember that we're looking at the big picture. Uh, we're looking at a high-level overview of your TMF. So you're doing a, a complete regular review of your key metrics uh, that you've defined. You're looking at the tasks and the activities within the TMF uh, to understand if there's a trend uh, that points to an issue that needs a bit more attention, right? So you're just, you're sort of looking at the big picture to see where you, you there are, or if there are areas that you need to focus on. Um, again, we're looking at, you know, the three pillars of ETMF. So you're looking at completeness. So is, do, am I missing, you know, do I, do I have documents that are expected or missing that are critical uh, to tell the, the, the story of the study uh, for quality? You know, are we looking at the documents that have a lot of quality issues? Are there a lot of tasks with uh, rejected documents, for example? Um, and then for timeliness, the big one, you know, how long is it taking on average for documents to make it into the TMF? Have you defined you know, your, your sort of um, timeliness parameter, if you will? Like what's the delay from the time that it's been, your, your document has, has been created from the time that it actually gets filed into the TMF? And are you respecting that, right? So um, as Obviously, TMF oversight is something that should be done on a fairly uh, ongoing uh, basis. But in terms of looking at these metrics in more detail and documenting this oversight, uh, we certainly re recommend doing that at least on a quarterly basis. Uh, obviously, better on a monthly basis if that's something that uh, that that you can do. Um, and your output of this type of review is one of two things. I think so. Either you know you kind of you go through it and you say that this is acceptable um, from your your level of quality that you've set and you know for for your uh, TMF, um, or th there might be some areas or processes that need a bit more of a closer look, which is where um, you know a, a more detailed health health check comes into play. Right, and I guess oversight is kind of giving us that high level barometer of TMF health. We're going to leverage whatever metrics we have available to us, hopefully in completeness, quality, and timeliness, to be able to highlight maybe specific areas that we feel might need greater attention. And typically, we might then roll into sort of a more detailed review, uh, which we call uh, a health check, which some you know some folks might call 
um, a, a document review or a QC, a, a quarterly QC review or whatever that, that that nomenclature might be, rolling that TMF oversight project. Once you have some detailed insights, rolling it into a health check. So here we've got, you know, a, a sort of process where instead of looking at the entire study, right, Donatella, we're kind of focusing a little bit more on a specific area where there might have been issues that we've identified at the oversight level. Yes, exactly, Oliver. As you said, the, the oversight is a very high-level generic overview of your TMF because uh, I think that we, we need to use the, the technology that now we have with Trimaster File uh, and use the metrics. And, you know, with dashboard and visualization, uh, uh, it's quite easy to understand, uh, yes, I'm inspection ready or not because we have also a majority of the, of the system colors that help, uh, you know, if you see lots of red, theoretically, you're not inspection ready. So you have this kind of uh, facility that in the past with paper, it was theoretically possible, but in practical, impossible to do. Uh, so absolutely use these, uh, you know, tools uh, and do mm, frequent and uh, often oversight, but then uh, use a risk-based approach because this is a requirement from regulatory uh, competent authority, do a deeper analysis, a deeper assessment of the TMF because it can be zoned with higher risk in your TMF. Here, for example, we know we have considered a study with the loss of country, and obviously there will be lots of sites. Let's take, for example, one site that has the highest enrollment, or maybe the site with lots of protocol deviation. That can be a very high risk, you know, portion of your TMF because that can be the object of an inspection. So let's take, let's check it in a deeper way, in a deeper way. Uh, do a, a detailed review of each single document. Uh, do a cross-check uh, uh, verification of the documents and of the story. Uh, perform a GCP assessment because uh, we know what are the GCP requirements and we can uh, you know, compare our quality issue with uh, the quality uh, GCP requirements. But also don't stop there and develop um, a corrective and preventive action. So try to fix the issue whenever it's possible, maybe retrieve the correct document if the document uploaded uh, was with no signature, for example, so maybe you can retrieve the proper document, uh, or if not, uh, try to uh, storyboarding what happened and do also preventive action. So don't limit yourself to fix the issue, but try to understand also the reason of that issue. Maybe the, the people were not trained enough of the process, or maybe they, didn't, uh, were, uh, they weren't uh, enough trained uh, on the principle of GCP, or maybe there was something wrong in the process, the process was not clear. So try to understand the cause of that issue because you can, in this way, try to prevent the issue in the future. So I think that these two tools are really important, but ETMF health check is really something that you can do not so often and as a website. Christina suggested to do the oversight even monthly, and I would strongly recommend because it's really just an overview of your TMF. But the health check is really more deep. It takes longer even to do this kind of assessment and so define the better strategy for you. Maybe you can increase the frequency if there is an audit or inspection. Otherwise, it can be done you know, quarterly or maybe every six months. Uh, but do this health check on higher risk zone uh, as the regulation asks. Christina, anything to add here? Yeah, I, I I want to just like so Donatella has mentioned a number of checks and activities um, that are that would be performed in the context of the health check, but there's one in particular that I think 
is is uh, important to take pause on, which is that document cross-check. I think this is uh, a type of check that can be uh, underestimated for sure. Um, you know, Donatello was speaking a little bit about more detail about a case study that was done um, when the ETMF services team conducted uh, this type of project for one of our customers. Um, but it was really interesting reading the output of that project because it shed a lot of light on how complex you know, the cross-referencing uh, of documents can be. So, um, you know, in this example, it, it, where we're talking about looking particularly uh, at a site and the and the documents within Process Zone 05, you know, you can think of a, a simple check or what seems like a simple check that you want to make sure that everyone who's listed on the delegation log, so all of the site staff has been uh, trained, right, on, on everything related to, to the study, on relevant study materials. So you think I just need to look at my delegation log and look at my site evidence of training, and if those documents exist, I'm good to go, right? But, but then you 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 see that for one uh, study coordinator, they're actually missing training on protocol version zero three. Then you go back to your delegation log and you see, well, actually that study coordinator stopped working at the site prior to that amendment, so I'm actually not missing a document, you know. So it it gets quite the uh, quite complex, right? And you, you need to check other zones to see what is being used in the study um, in terms of systems, like are they using an IRT system, an EDC, are you issuing specific questionnaires? So all of that stuff, um, you know, is in one sim what simple looking cross-check. Um, so it gets quite hairy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And ultimately, these are the things that are going to potentially be picked up by an inspector, right? And so you want to pick those up as, as early as you can to be able to rectify those those specific issues. And ultimately, this is going to help you with things like storyboarding and inspection preparation, like all of these tools and outputs from something like a health check is going to be very, very useful as you start that kind of sprint towards an actual inspection event. So let's dive into a health checks in a little bit more detail. For some folks that are maybe not conducting this today, we've developed a methodology for completing health checks. So this is kind of like our checklist that you guys can steal for free. Um, but of course, if you want support, you can always ask us for help. Um, Christina, do you want to kick us off by kind of walking us through some of the steps that we might go through in uh, in, in sort of a health check project for a customer? Sure. Um, so I think obviously the first uh, the first step in, in any sort of uh, project specifically for the health check is to identify the scope. So uh, understand, you know, what are you looking at uh, in your health check? Is it's uh, been an output probably of your of your uh, oversight documentation? Uh, you're looking at specific country, site, zone, or process, um, and then identify a map with the participants that will be that will be uh, you know conducting the health check and their role and their responsibilities in this uh, project. Um, a very important point is uh, looking at where you will find the data inputs. So in order to do something like a cross-check, for example, you know, what data are you looking at as your source? What data are you looking at uh, you know, that you're checking against? And understand uh, the relationship and where to find that data uh, in your DMS. Um, and then um, in, in the next step is to identify the types of checks. Um, so we've listed the... Uh, um, you know, a number of checks that that can be performed, uh, such as uh, document quality checks, uh, the cross checks that we kind of we spoke about a little bit. Obviously, uh, looking at your your three pillars again, uh, calculating your completeness and analyzing that. Uh, same for your timeliness, um, doing that calculation analysis, 
and then looking at any uh, quality issue checks uh, across your, your TMF. Um, of course, looking at all tasks um, that have been issued in, in your TMF, how long is it taking to close your tasks, what type of tasks uh, are, are being issued, and of course, doing a GCP assessment and uh, comparing if you have any findings related to, uh, to GCP. And, and Donatella, obviously, there's a lot of different checks that Christina mentioned here. Is it essential that all of these be done? Or are there ones that maybe you would recommend starting with if we have a team maybe that, that isn't, you know, uh, doesn't have a ton of resources or experience to perform these types of checks? So I think that, as Christina mentioned before, the cross-checks uh, is really important because it's the basis to understand if all the pieces of the story are there. So I think, you know, in theory, even if the, if the team is really small, everyone should do a document QC because you are, you know, if you are the document owner, you have also to ensure that the document is a good document. Cross-check can be more challenging because absolutely you need to have lots of experience in clinical trial processes to know what document can link and can lead to another document. Uh, and what story uh, is behind of that. So if the less experience can be more challenging for uh, for teams. And so sometimes you can outsource or ask for some consultancy. And then definitely I will also check, uh, uh, I will also include the GCP finding analysis uh, because uh, as Christina mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast, uh, inspector share with us the result of this uh, inspection um, more or less same. Some are more or less detailed because, for example, MHRA and EMA uh, issue more detailed report, but they share these results. So it's important, I think, uh, for us uh, to be trained and to better understand the requirement and the expectation to learn and to understand this, this finding and to know where you know, the inspectors see the GCP uh, perspective, where a finding can be a GCP finding and not just a quality finding. So I think it's very useful even to do this kind of assessment to better understand what are the GCP requirements. Because we have to remember that if we are following the GCP, it means that our trial is reliable. The data are robust and the patient safety was ensured. So it's very important to be aligned with this requirement. But obviously this is, let's say, just an example because by my experience, uh, all the list of these checks are really crucial to ensure a better status of inspection readiness. Awesome. Thank you, Donatella. So now we've identified the different types of checks that we'll perform. What, what I think what we're trying to recommend also is that then you start to look at and define what are the different deliverables for the health debt project. So what are the outputs? Once you perform those checks, what insights and detail are you looking to, to gather that's ultimately going to be able to help you make uh, adjustments to your process, improvements to certain parts of the way that your team are working, training, whatever the remediation might be. Uh, of course, then perform the health check project itself, document the results, as I mentioned, begin to start summarizing those findings um, so that you can actually use them. And then one of the things uh, that I think is incredibly important is what you're going to do with what, you know, what you've now found out. So developing that CAPA and remediation plan. Um, Donatella, why is that remediation plan so so critical as part of this health check project? I think that uh, it's really the, the most important part of, I would say, of the health check because uh, if I do the health check, I want to find uh, 
uh, I want to be able to identify the potential finding or the finding in my TMF. And obviously, if I have a, a quality issue, uh, a finding, first of all, I want to fix it. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, if a document is missing, if a document is a poor quality, uh, if the timeliness was not in compliance with, uh, with the standards. So I want to try to fix it. Uh, but then because uh, we ask, we are asked for quality in our clinical trial, more and more quality, we need to try to prevent this, you know, issue to, to happen in the future again. Uh, obviously, even to, you know, to make uh, the inspection readiness uh, process more smooth and uh, more agile, I would say. So it's very important to, to develop preventive action uh, and to understand what was uh, uh, the source of that finding. Uh, so don't limit yourself uh, to perform the health check. The health check is a part of your strategy to ensure the quality of your TMF, and it's a tool that you have. But the next step is really to fix the issue and try to prevent it in the future to, to ensure a better quality, a more robust process of the TMF management, and don't forget to monitor the situation on an ongoing basis. You can do the health check once in your clinical trial, Yes, you can, but honestly, I would not recommend to do on, on you know, uh, just once uh, in the life of your clinical trial. Uh, I will set up a frequency because you have always to monitor and oversight and health check your TMS because otherwise, uh, you know, uh, you will not be aware of what's going on in your TMS. So don't limit, let's say, this kind of assessment, but define a frequency that can be different based on the study design, based on your resources uh, on your organizational model uh, based on the situation that you are living because we know that there are some peak let's say in the clinical trial management and so there can be some milestones and event that uh, uh, can have a big impact in the trial um, trial master file and some other that are let's say routine uh, activities in the clinical trial so continuous monitoring uh, and perform health check uh, on a regular basis this is my suggestion all right so let's start to wrap up today's discussion because I know that we are coming close to our time. Um, I think it would be great maybe just to talk a little bit about the value of combining both the oversight kind of activity and the oversight project that we described with the TMF health checks. And I know this is something that we do often with our customers. And Donatella, you've got some, some examples that you're going to share on sort of what that might look like. Could you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that the people will better understand uh, the combination of oversight health check with the Ariel example. So we were called by this company for doing an oversight. So they just wanted, you know, uh, an overview of the main metrics of the ETMF just to understand, uh, yes, we are going, we're doing good, we're not doing good. Uh, and we identify lots of issue, uh, even, uh, if, even if it were at high level. And so we have decided to go uh, for a further step and do a health check. Uh, the company identified a high-risk uh, site uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, lots of, let's say, issue in the, in the management of the site, lots of GCP uh, deviation and uh, lots of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, potential finding for an inspection. So we focus our attention uh, with the health check on this particular site uh, of the entire trial master file. And we do, uh, we did everything. So the document QC, the cross-check, this is refining, the CAPA plan. Uh, and what we found, we found, for example, that uh, 
there was a lack of regular oversight and documented QC of the TMF, despite the fact that the TMF plan was uh, explain a, a defined strategy for QC, there was no evidence of regular TMF QC in the TMF. Uh, there was no risk-based approach for QC. We know that the risk-based approach is a requirement, and so you have to have a process in place to show the inspector how do you implement and develop a risk-based approach QC. There was nothing. And there were lots of deviations from the study plan and company SOP, especially for the process around TMF management. So these findings were not, let's say, Montreal findings. These are findings that we, you can read in a DMHRA inspection report, for example. This can be finding from any kind of inspector. So these are really critical findings. And so what we did was, uh, first of all, we did uh, an SOP and working instruction assessment of the current uh, uh, SOP uh, in place uh, at the company. We designed a new process because we found uh, lots of gaps uh, in the steps uh, of the process. And so we designed a new process. We developed SOP. So we wrote, uh, you know, uh, the new SOP uh, to design the new process that we try to improve uh, based on the, on the finding uh, during the health check. We train the people, the team on the new SOP, but we also train the people on the trial master file because we understood that uh, some causes of that finding were related to the lack of knowledge in terms of TMF. And so we also did some, you know, TMF training on the GCP principle, uh, data integrity, risk-based approach, special readiness. So a bunch of training uh, for that company that were useful to improve the knowledge uh, and so the people in the TMF management. All right, so there you have it, guys. So that's the the value of combining both of those exercises using TMF oversight as a way to be able to understand what high level issues there might be that you can need that you that will then inspect in more detail. So as a reminder, oversight is reviewing those key TMF metrics, highlighting areas for further investigation. Health checks is diving deeper into a subsection of your TMF. So either focusing on a critical country, a high enrolling site, an area with a lot of critical deviations, whatever the area that you've identified as high risk, performing then a detailed set of checks that help you identify the specific issues, and then designing a remediation plan that includes both resolving the issues that you've identified, but also preventing those issues from occurring in the future by, like Donatella mentioned in her example, developing new processes, writing new uh, procedural documentation, training individuals on those new processes, and educating them on the best practices that they need to align themselves to. So that kind of brings us to the end of today's discussion. Donatella and Christina, we did it with six minutes to spare, which is fantastic. Um, thank you everybody for, for joining us for the, uh, the kickoff again of the state of TMF after a short little hiatus. Um, we are back now bi-weekly. Um, so there is another session in two weeks time. That session will be actually be a panel discussion focusing on remote and hybrid inspections and how to manage those actual processes themselves. We're going to have folks from lots of different walks of life and experiences talking about how they prepare for those types of um, remote or hybrid inspections. I um, want to thank everybody for joining. Christina, Donatella, I had a blast as, I, uh, as, as always. Christina, thanks so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to seeing you on a few more of these. Um, any last remarks from from either of you on today's uh, on today's session or today's content? 
Please do the be inspection ready anytime. That's <laughs> the last message. There you go. Stop thinking about your TMFs and narco. That's another one. Um, I imagine though that the folks that are on the line here are probably experienced TMFs at this point, and they're they're already thinking of the TMF as that sort of active beneficial tool. Um, thank you everybody for all the emojis. Um, we're glad you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. If you guys want to chat and uh, communicate with each other, we do have a community of over a thousand TMF professionals. We're going to share the slide deck from today's presentation in that community group. Head over to LinkedIn, type in the State of TMF community, and you'll see all of that great content there. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Donatella, Christina, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next one. That's a wrap for today's episode of the State of TMF. We hope you found our insights into TMF health checks and oversight enlightening and that they'll serve as a roadmap to your inspection success. Remember, in the complex maze of inspections, the right knowledge is your best compass. So stay tuned for the next episode where we continue to navigate this journey on with the best strategies and tactics to ensure your success. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining.